0: Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: In the mid 1980s, Tina Turner recorded and released a number one hit single called What's Love Got To Do With It. This single sold over a million copies around the world and was eventually inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. What's Love Got To Do With It was a fun and upbeat song that I imagine many of you like to sing or dance along to. And even if you don't know all of the lyrics, I imagine that most of you know the tune. It was a popular song. And yet, the singer of this song, the one who made it famous, lived a life and a love story that was anything but fun and upbeat. In 1993, nearly a decade after this Song became a smash hit. What's Love Got To Do With It was made into a film that was loosely based on the autobiographical account of Tina's own life. A life that Tina claimed was filled with frequent beatings and abuse and fear. The violence and abuse somehow living side by side with the success and the fame. How could this incredibly hurt and hurting person produce music that was so upbeat? And so it goes with the story of humanity. Horrible and awful realities and injustices living alongside and sometimes even intertwined with glimpses that we receive of peace and hope and love and joy. And this is true not just in a general sense and not just for society as a whole, but this is true in the very personal, intimate, and particular details of each of our own lives. So what's love got to do with it? It turns out, pretty much everything. Scripture reminds us, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Now, right now, we're in a season of Advent. Advent means arrival. The arrival of God's perfect love into a bleak and imperfect world. A world that God loves very much. And today, we lit the third candle on the Advent wreath and we're going to be exploring this gift of God's love, a gift given to the entire world and to each and every one of us. And though 2,000 years later, we know the story of Emmanuel, God with us, we too are still waiting for the completion of this love story, a story that promises us that God's perfect love will prevail over all of the evil and injustice that we see around us, a love that will eventually wipe away every last tear. The season of Advent is one of expectancy, of waiting and preparing and hoping, of preparing and hoping and waiting as we keep our eyes fixed on God and our hearts oriented towards God's promises of love. A love that means ultimate redemption and restoration. Expectancy, waiting and hoping. Our gospel story for today is one full of expectancy. You're welcome, if you want to, to keep your Bibles open to Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 56, as we move through this account. And if you're a person that likes to link the New Testament passages with the Old Testament passages, you're also welcome to keep your Bibles or keep a mark in 1 Samuel chapter 2. In this passage, we see Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife, six months pregnant, expecting a baby. The child whom the angel Gabriel foretold will prepare the way for the Messiah. We also see in this passage Mary who is expectant just a few weeks along likely with according to the same angel that appeared to Elizabeth the son of man the son of God can you imagine how Mary and Elizabeth felt could they have ever imagined that God's love would reveal itself to them in this peculiar and particular way two women Elizabeth, thought to be too old, beyond child-bearing years. And another woman, Mary, young and unwed and poor. Both of these women likely filled with hope and with wonder, but also with fear and confusion. Both women waiting, hoping and expecting. When Mary arrives to Elizabeth's house, we're told that the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumps for joy and that Elizabeth herself was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth, in fact, becomes the first person in all gospel accounts to name Jesus as Lord. And then Mary, in response to Elizabeth's greeting and to the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumping for joy and in response to the Holy Spirit being present in this encounter, Mary breaks out in verses 46 to 56 in a psalm of praise. It's beautiful and poetic. It's a song known as the Magnificat. It comes from the Latin meaning to magnify or to praise. This song of praise, Mary's love song, It speaks to God's love for her. She recognizes that she is loved, and she is awestruck that God sees her, this poor, unwed woman, expectant with a child, a child conceived by the Holy Spirit, no less. She is awestruck knowing that God chose her, a mother from a nowhere town with no worldly status. And in this beautiful and poetic psalm, Mary claims that belovedness. She sees that God sees her and chooses her, and she claims it. She doesn't run from it. She accepts God's love for her, and she allows that love to lead her according to God's will. Despite her own fear and confusion, And then she goes on in the Magnificat to speak with amazing clarity on the paradoxes that exist between the kingdom of God and what God is doing now and the kingdoms of this world. His mercy is for those who fear him, she declares. He scatters the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He brings down the powerful and he lifts up the lowly. This God fills the hungry with good things, and he sends the rich away empty. He is a good God who keeps his promises. Mary's praise and her love are overflowing in this psalm that has its parallels in 1 Samuel chapter 2, when Hannah was singing a similar praise. Depth and praise and prophetic wisdom are flowing from Mary's lips in this passage. And yet today we're going to focus specifically on God's love. how it is expressed? How it is received? And why that love, God's perfect love, is the force that led God to send Jesus to us. For God so loved the world and in the particular, for God so loved you and you and you and me and all of us and each of us. We are not Mary, of course. But I wonder, do you see and accept God's calling and claiming of you as his beloved? Sometimes, quite often in fact, I think that we are limited in our abilities to love and to heal others well because we cannot believe or accept that we are loved perfectly by a perfect God. In fact, I believe that broken love is likely at the root of every single world injustice that we can think of. I think that broken love is at the root of nearly every problem, every ill, every trauma, and every injustice in the world. If you name one problem and roll it back just a few layers or just a generation or two, I can almost guarantee you that you will find a broken love story. Now, one of my favorite things to do during the Christmas season, during the Advent season... Is to watch Christmas movies. I like old movies and new movies and bad movies and good movies and Hallmark movies and fun movies and um, romantic comedy movies. You name it, I love Christmas movies. And more often than not, these Christmas movies involve a crisis situation, one that needs a miracle, a miracle that often involves redemptive love and these stories often come to a head somewhere and sometime on christmas eve in our house we love watching a christmas carol the ebenezer scrooge story and his crisis situation we find out was rooted in the fact that he was unloved and unseen and it appears unwanted as a child and due to that immense pain And that immense trauma, Ebenezer Scrooge tried to fill the void, as humans very often do, with things that don't seem to do the trick. And with each passing year that he spent using his time and his energy attempting to fill the void, Scrooge found himself further and further from his beloved. And Ebenezer Scrooge's Christmas Eve intervention involved him being able to see things and to see himself as they truly were. The good and the bad and the ugly. And also the unfulfilled promises should Ebenezer see and choose to be loved and to be loved. So what does it look like to accept and to be love. Our gospel passage from today, the story of Mary visiting Elizabeth, babies jumping in wombs, the Holy Spirit being present, I think it gives us several gifts of love, gifts of love that are important for us to remember this Advent season. The first gift of love that I think we see is the gift of relationship. Mary found herself in a bizarre situation. Who would believe her? Who would accept her? Who could she turn to, to share this seemingly crazy story with, becoming pregnant by the Holy Spirit out of marriage? Mary travels for nine days to be with her cousin, a cousin who was also pregnant. And Mary stays with Elizabeth during the duration of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Their relationship, their closeness, no doubt a gift of love, a gift to each of them during this season in their life. And I wonder, where is the gift of the love of relationship in your own life? Are you able to point it out? for the love of relationship is present in this gospel account. Similarly, we have the love of being seen and known in this passage. How important is it for us as human beings to be able to be seen and known as we are? It provides us with such safety and comfort And in this passage, Mary and Elizabeth first allow themselves to be seen and to be known by God. They didn't let fear stop them. And fear also didn't get in the way of their relationships with each other. To be seen and to be known builds trust. And they allowed each other to see and to know the other. I imagine with all of their fears and doubts and confusion in the mix, they turned to each other. And Mary trusted Elizabeth to believe her story and Elizabeth trusted Mary to journey with her for the duration of her pregnancy. The gift of allowing ourselves to be seen and known is a reminder to us this Advent season. And so I wonder, Do you allow yourselves to be seen and known? Are you free to be seen and known? God already sees you. God knows you. But what about the people in your life? And do you provide that same gift of love in return to them? The third gift of love that I think is present in this passage is the love of new life. New life is witnessed in several ways in this passage. There's new life being formed and knit together in Mary's womb. There's new life being formed and knit together in Elizabeth's womb. But there are other rebirths happening as well. Zachariah is in the middle of a transformation of new spiritual life, a new life in hope and belief. But we don't quite know how that story plays out yet. This passage also reminds us that the world will be given new life. Pretty soon, the gift that God has for all humankind will be birthed into the world, and there will be opportunities abound for new life. So I wonder, where in your life are you expectant for new life, spiritual life, emotional life, relational life, physical life, Where are you expectant for new life? And then finally, I think this passage points to the love of promises fulfilled. This is what Advent is all about. Hoping and waiting the arrival of God's promises. Our God is a covenant God whose perfect faithfulness and perfect love will do exactly what they promise. God remembers his people. God sees his people. And God will not renege on his promises. And the story reminds us that the love of promises fulfilled will likely look different if Mary and Elizabeth's example is anything to us, that the promises of love fulfilled in our own lives will likely look different than we expect them to look. So where? Is God attending to love? My gosh. So where is God intending to fulfill love promises in your own life? So what's love got to do with it? It turns out love has pretty much everything to do with the story that God is writing. But it's not a second-hand emotion like Tina Turner sings. Rather, love is the primary reason for it all. It's not the kind of love that turns the blind eye to abuse or injustice. It's a love that stares those abuses and the evils of this world and the injustices straight in the eye It's a love that desires to heal all things. It's a love that sees us and claims us and calls each and every one of us God's beloved. And it's a love that begins a counter kingdom right here alongside the worldly kingdoms. It's a love that begins a counter kingdom where the worldly kingdoms would least expect it. With Mary, a poor and unwed mother, from a nowhere town with no earthly status. A woman who was simply willing to be seen, to be known, to be loved, and to be led by God. Do you know that you, too, are God's beloved? Will you allow yourself to be seen and to be known Will you allow God's love to claim you, to heal you, to show you the truth? And will you be bold like Mary and at least try to say, Here I am, Lord. Use me and send me as you see fit. We are still Advent people. We're expectant. We know how the story plays out. And yet, we are a people still waiting on the Lord. May your wait be filled with love, a perfect love that claims you, that desires to heal you, and that leads to your own love in action towards others and to the world at large. May your wait be filled with love in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. And one final note, if you do find yourself in an abusive situation, please know that we have partners here at Ebenezer church and we're here to help you and you are not alone. And so please reach out and we will do our best to connect you with resources that can help to get you and to keep you safe.